How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. So, if you don't know, my brother, who also works here, Lou DiBiase, he does the uh, overnight shifts right now for WBEN and here at WGR. He had a late, he does this late night discussion thing. He gets everyone fired up on Twitter, sees what's going on, gets some opinions riled up. And he had a topic last night that I'm going to just go right ahead and steal. I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to go right ahead and steal my brother's uh, idea here. You know, that that happens, right? You steal your sibling's clothing or their shoes or something. And their leftovers in the fridge. That was a big one for me. It was always the leftovers in the fridge. I, I couldn't help myself. Because, like, what's the, what's the rule on that? Leftovers in the fridge. If they're not yours. I, what I think is, by 24 hours, the clock is ticking on whether those leftovers are going to still be good when they are eaten. So, you're not really given much of a sign that it's going to happen. I also don't really want to ask you if you're going to eat that because it looks good and I'm kind of wor- I'm kind of thinking that if I remind you about it, then you're going to go ahead and do it and then I'm sitting here without this delicious leftovers. So, it's kind of along those lines. I'm I'm just gonna not, I'm gonna steal his leftovers here. I'm stealing his uh, his topic from last night on our late night discussion here on WGR. And if you want a lot of the reaction that happened last night on it, uh, it's on our website at wgr550.com. So what he posed to everybody, what I th- what I thought was a very interesting question. If you could take, bring back one bill or one saber, all time. Stick them on the Bills or Sabres right now in their prime. And who would you pick? Now, I heard Jeremy introduce this idea on the morning show today as well. And his instinct, I think, is what my instinct was. That, easy. You go with you go with Hashik on the Sabres, no-brainer to me. And you go with Jim Kelly on the Bills. We don't really know what we have yet in Josh Allen completely. So, football, take the quarterback. Hockey... You know, you wouldn't normally take the goaltender, but in this case, Perot, LaFontaine, like those are Hall of Fame level centers, but Hashik is the greatest goaltender who's ever lived. He took a team a game away from winning the Stanley Cup, who without him was maybe not even was not a playoff team. What would he do here? There's increased talent on this roster. 
Would they look like a Stanley Cup contender right now, the Sabres, with a prime Dominic Hasek in net? So to me, that's a no-brainer to me. I'd take Hasek, I'd take Kelly. And then I thought a very good fix was made to this question because a lot of people were saying the same thing. Take away the, the, the legends. Take away the greatest of all time at their position. No Kelly. You don't get... Um, who else? You don't get Perot. You don't get LaFontaine. You don't get Hasek. You don't get Thurman. You don't get Andre Reid or Bruce Smith. Now who are you taking? Made it a little bit more challenging. And to me, I have a very, very strong group of three that I think I would be picking from on each side. 803-0550, by the way, if you want to give your answer to this question as well. If you could plop right now any former Sabre or Bill in their prime, magically, onto the teams right now, who would it be? And to me... For the Sabres, I saw a lot of Danny Briere, I saw a lot of Chris Drury, and I get it. And that would be part of the top considerations for me. Going back to that 07 team, I'm going to pick something off of it. Who's it going to be? Would it be Ryan Miller? Great goalie. We saw him in 2010, his best, at his best, which he always wasn't always at, but at his best, he can carry you. Or, I'm going to go a different route. No Briere, no Drury. I get that the Sabres need another center as much as anything. But, you know, I might be able to find a second-line center by trading Ristolainen in this offseason. I might be able to get Casey Middlestat to be a second-line center by the end of this upcoming season. And on the other hand, I can never, ever have too many good puck-moving defensemen. So you know what I'm doing? If I'm taking one former Sabre that's not one of the legends and I'm putting him on my team today, I think I'm picking Brian Campbell. I'm picking Brian Campbell. I mean, all-star level defenseman, and the modern-day defenseman during a time when his type wasn't as prevalent. Briere, yes, close second, but I would take Campbell. Because what, what am I ideally looking to build if I'm the Sabres here? I'm looking to build a very fun, offensive, good team, but the thing you forget about those two Sabre teams that were great was, yeah, they were fun, they were opened up, they were offensive, but they were allowed to be that way because their defensemen were such solid passers, all of them. Campbell was a great passer. Newmanen was a great passer. Talinder was a good passer. Ludman was a good passer. They had a plethora of puck-moving defensemen. That allowed speed up front. That allowed the forwards to not have to worry about the defensive zone as much. That allowed them to play a little bit more aggressive. Plus, you were driving some offense from the back end too. And that's what I'd like to see the Sabres build today. The team along those lines. I don't need elite forwards all over the place. I'd like to have good forwards all over the place. But what can allow those forwards to maximize their potential would be the defensemen that are getting them the puck in stride, in speed, through the neutral zone, or on the tape in the offensive end. So I'm going to take the best defenseman that was on that team that did that, and I'm going to plop him right on my squad right now with next to Rasmus Dahlin. So I'm taking Campbell. I don't think that's a a super popular opinion for this question last night. Um... On the article my brother put together in WGR550.com, it was a lot of Briere, a lot of O'Reilly, too. I don't know if that was supposed to be sarcastic, probably a little bit, but at the same time also right. So there would have been O'Reilly there. Um, 
So I'm not taking the center. I'm taking the defenseman. On the Bills side of it, I think I'm also going to go with a bit of an unpopular route. Now remember, we're not talking the legends here, so you don't get Andre Reid. I'm a big believer in that the Bills will need to have a great receiving core around Josh Allen, given his... You know, his lack of accuracy, I think, is going to become an issue if your receivers are not good enough to make up for it. We had Sam Monson on from PFF earlier today on the station. Check that out on demand at WGR550.com. The one point he made that stuck with me the most was about Cole Beasley and how he's almost kind of medicine for Josh Allen's deficiency as, as an accurate passer, as an inconsistent passer on those shorter routes. And... Monson's logic was look at how much separation Cole Beasley gets. On those shorter to intermediate routes, Cole Beasley does about as well as anybody at getting open. So Josh Allen, if he's a little inaccurate on those shorter passes and that once in a while he's going to throw it behind the guy, well, guess what? If you've got a receiver that's four yards open instead of two or one, a guy that can't get off a corner like Kelvin Benjamin or Andre Holmes or even Charles Clay at tight end. like Those are the guys running a lot of your routes last year. They just can't get away from whoever's covering them. So if Allen doesn't throw it perfectly, the defender's either getting a hand in there or if it's a really bad pass, it's going right to the defender as an interception. Whereas here's Cole Beasley. If he's getting open, making his quick jukes at the line of scrimmage, he's making a corner miss, he's getting open, and Allen throws a five-yard pass to him over the middle or or an out, and he throws it behind him. Well, in the past, with some of the receivers we've had, maybe that ball's going back the other way because the guy's right there. But with Cole Beasley here, I might have a situation where he throws it behind him, Cole Beasley's able to adjust, and he doesn't have anybody there to knock the ball out of his hands because he got so much separation right off of the line of scrimmage. That quickness, that speed that the Bills are going to have at wide receiver, getting open. And when I'm thinking about that, getting open in the wide receiver position, because I, like I said, I think they need to be strong at that position going forward with this team. Like, who's the guy, if I could take anybody out of the Bills' history right now and put them on my team to fill that spot? And the guy I think that most people said last night on Twitter to this question was Eric Moulds. And that's where I started as well. Eric Moulds, such a good all-around wide receiver, like a true number one guy. And how many? How often have the Bills really had a true number one guy? Has it been twice in their history? I mean, Andre was definitely it, and Moulds was it. And, you know, you can argue some of the other guys, but even I'm going to actually go with one of those guys that you could maybe, you'd, you might have to argue for him to be a number one wide receiver. I would argue he is a number one wide receiver. I'm not picking Eric Moulds. I'm picking Lee Evans. I'm picking Lee Evans. I know Moulds is better. But Evans, I'm thinking about thinking back to his career, and I'm thinking specifically to his career as a Bill while J.P. Lossman was the starting quarterback and how that just allowed the offense to just open up and Evans just to take the top off the defense. And he was such a good all-around receiver, too, that I don't think he ever got a lot of credit for because if you think about his career as a Bill, he was a rookie with Bledsoe. He was good there. But he didn't get enough time with Bledsoe to really see, I think, the overall part of his game with him. Lossman comes in, and that was kind of a one-dimensional offense. 
Like Evans, to me, Lossman was so inaccurate. He was so careless with the football that if Evans was going to make a difference under that offense, it was going to be just by catching the go route, by taking the top off the defense and getting open deep. Then Trent Edwards, Captain Checkdown, comes along, and you know Evans ain't getting the ball as much as he should be under that guy. And then Fitz at the end of his career, who's also like you know not a big arm, he's not going to stretch the field either. And here's Allen. If Allen is in any way like a souped-up version of J.P. Lossman, then maybe I can create some of that magic that Lossman and Lee Evans had just burning defensive backs deep. But with Allen. And then, if Allen is going to be more careful with the football than Lossman was, if he's going to be more dangerous as a runner, so defenses have to pay attention to him that way, not that Lossman wasn't mobile, if he's also going to be more consistent at the shorter stuff, which Lossman wasn't either. Now, that might be the biggest question of Allen. But if you factor all of that in and you bring Lee Evans into the fold, I think you're hoping that John Brown can give you that. I think you're hoping Robert Foster can give you that. I think you're hoping one of these others, Zay Jones even. Like, I think you're hoping one of those guys can be your deep threat burner wide receiver is going to beat the corner deep, and then on the next route, he's going to get open by running a post or a slant. Like, he's going to be a multi-versatile wide receiver that can be good. And I always defended Lee Evans, so that's why I'm picking him here, maybe just because I feel like I feel like I have to defend him one last time. Because I always believed. Maybe I overrated these guys, because that was the Bills teams I grew up with, and it's hard to find favorites, you know? There's not that many great players on the team to find favorites. Like the Sabres, when I'm growing up, they had 15 good players. Everybody had a different favorite. Whereas the Bills, there's only a few guys you can really pick from. I always latched on to Evans. And I always thought of him as a guy that, if in his career, he ever would have got the chance to play with a top quarterback... Green Bay, New England, Peyton Manning, and Indy. Like, if he goes to Indy instead of Reggie Wayne, what is his career like? Because he put up solid numbers in a Bills career where he had constant changeover at the quarterback position, constant changeover at offensive coordinator and head coach, and he stayed here the whole time, and he put up really good numbers the entirety of his career. And a lot of times, like with Trent Edwards and Ryan Fitzpatrick, he had quarterbacks that completely did not fit the style of receiver he was. Stick him on this team right now. If Josh Allen is going to be a great quarterback with his arm strength, I think you get a receiver like that, and this can happen in real life. Get the next Lee Evans. And I think that's fine as your number one. Doesn't have to be the best receiver in the world. Doesn't have to be a freak athlete. But that style a versatile receiver whose main asset is running deep. And that's why I'm so high on Robert Foster, because I do see a little bit of that in him. He's not tiny like John Brown. Like, Evans wasn't that tiny either. Like, he was average size. And Foster, seemingly, if he continues to do what he did at the end of last season, he's not just a one-trick pony. He's not TJ Graham. Remember him? I mean, that guy was either running deep and he'd probably drop it anyway, or he wasn't doing anything. Foster, like Evans, I think looks to have more to his game, and that if he does become a very good wide receiver, while yes, I think his main attraction and his best ability will be burning guys deep, 
I think he's also going to have all of that other stuff, that all-around uh, receiver game to his game. 8030550 is the phone number. It might be nuts to say I'd rather have Lee Evans than Eric Moulds, but I'm a little biased here, I'll admit it, and I'm going to go with I'm going with my boy Lee Evans. If I can drop a bill on the on the team right now from the past, I'm picking Lee Evans, and if I could pick a Sabre, I'm picking Brian Campbell. That one's really close, though, because Briere is, like, that would just be so perfect if the Sabres just had the next Danny Briere uh, right now on the team. 8030550 is the phone number. Let me know what you think, even if you let, let us know on Twitter uh, last night. If you want to let us know on air, go right ahead, and we'll get you right on here. Let's uh, start with Jonathan and Alden. Jonathan, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, Joe. For the Bills, I was I, I, I get you to say about wide receiver, but honestly, I like to see them improve the O-line, so I would like to bring back Jason Peters. For the Sabres, That's I think a good one. Jason Peters, so I'm going to go with McGillney. So Jason Peters for the Bills and Alex McGillney for the Sabres. Why McGillney over some of the other ones? Because uh, I thought he was a, a great... Uh, well, you're not. You're not. I guess my 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 other question is, you're not really. Uh, you're not really worried about it being a winger versus a center. I do think we need a second line center, but uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I would love to see um, McGillney with Skinner and Eichel, and Ooh. I, 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 would, I would want to see a, like a, some kind of center, number two center. But you did bring up a good point about uh, we can find a set, number two center if we trade with the Lions. So. But as of right now, if we can't do that, I'll say I oh, would like McGillney. It was like that bit number two center. I was like, Breer and Drew are my All right. Yeah, I, I got you, man. Okay, th- thanks for the call, man. Um, I mean, you, you you sold me a little bit. The idea of that. I mean, could you imagine McGillney's speed and offensive ability with Jack Eichel? It'd be filthy. So, yeah, I get that. I would still stick with Campbell and I, I just because he's a winger. And today's game, remember, I'm dropping this guy in today's game. Like, he'd still be great. I'm not saying that, I'm not arguing that point of it. But I would think that, think about, I think that there's a direction that we're going in the NHL that I think is going to start to become more clear in the next few years. I think that Winger is going to start to become similar to what running back has become in the NFL. Not completely like that, because running back has reached the point where, I mean, Saquon Barkley gets drafted second overall. He is a freak talent. It's like there's no question, if you could pick one running back in the league that you'd want for the next 5, 10 years, you'd pick Saquon Barkley. Yet, the Giants get made fun of that for that, they get made fun of for that pick all the time, and for good reason. It's just because what that position has become. So I don't think Winger is going to be that in hockey. But I think you're going to see a step back in the value. Similar to what's happened to goaltending. Because I just think when you're building a team, center and defense, if you don't have it, you're not going anywhere. The Sabres, after Drury and Briere left, had the wing talent. They had Vanek. They had Pominville. They had Kotalik still. They had a Finneganoff still. Like they had that core of talented wingers and they stuck around. Hesh, whoever you want. And they had the goaltender. They had Ryan Miller. But when they lost Jury and Briere, and then on top of that, when they lost Campbell, the best players at their two most important positions, what happened to them? They went from a cup contender to a non-playoff team. And that was a while ago. But I think the same is true today that when you're starting a team, 
you can get by with underwhelming talent on the wing. You can get by with underwhelming talent in net if you have nailed center and defense. And the Sabres have only really nailed one of those. They nailed center. They have Eichel. And middle stat's going to be, you would hope, the, the, the combination to him to make you lethal down the middle. And you hope Darlene's going to be the franchise defenseman. But look at, look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had that figured out. Flurry had some rough years in there. Matt Murray, to me, is very overrated. So we're not talking about elite goaltenders there. We're maybe talking about good, but what has Pittsburgh always had? They've had great centermen, as good as it gets with Crosby and Malkin, and they've always had a guy who I think is very underrated, it, and to me is a number one defenseman in Crystal Tang. Like, they've had the franchise defenseman figured out, and they've had the centerman, the franchise centerman figured out. And I'm starting, that. Like that's why I wouldn't pick a McGillney. Because I think the, the direction this league is going, I should be able to find wingers that I can plug in with my elite centermen, and their numbers will be inflated because of playing with those centermen, but that's fine. That means I don't have to spend as much to get them. Jake Gensel in Pittsburgh right now, are they going to miss a beat without Phil Kessel? They're just going to plug in some fourth, fifth round pick who's going to play with Crosby and Malkin. He's going to score 20 goals. Connor Sheary was that. Connor Sheary was not thought of at all as a high prospect in the league. I don't even think he was drafted. AHL guy. He gets called up. He's he's a winger. You just plug him in with an elite centerman. There's a guy who came out of nowhere. 20 goals. I should be able to find that. Victor Olofsson, maybe he's going to be the one of the best wingers on the Sabres this season. Seventh round pick. Jeff Skinner, the best winger on the team. Got him for a second and a third. That's crazy that you got him for that low. But I'm like that's like I'm saying I'm wondering if there's a trend that's going to start on that direction. That's why I'm not even really thinking about a winger for this question. If I'm plugging in a bill or if I'm plugging in a saber, um, I'm only thinking about center and blue line. Or Hashik, who to me would be an exception in this case, if we're allowing the franchise players, which I'm not, but you could. And if you were going to allow them, Hashik would be the answer to me just because, I mean, best goaltender ever. I'm not passing on that. But anyways, I would only go center and defenseman. 803 is the phone number. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Ken in Rochester. Ken, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, guys. Um, you were making the case, I believe, was it for Marquise Goodwin or Lee Evans? Lee Evans. Well, definitely Lee Evans. Lee Evans. Yeah. Okay. Definitely not Marquise Goodwin. It- Lee Evans, I was trying to look at Marquis and want him back. If that's what he was just a man of glass and he was fast, but he just couldn't stay on the field. Um, he, he also didn't have near the production that Evans did. No, like Evans, I think Evans had like a seventy catch, like 1,300 yard season. Like he had some, he had a couple of monster seasons. Goodwin, even his good years were nowhere near that. Now the only reason why I might take Bolts uh, over Lee Evans. Uh, not only because of the size, and sometimes it does help out in the red zone area when you're in shorter distance because then the speed doesn't, you know, the speed doesn't help you when you're down there in the 20-yard zone, you know, in the red zone, as much as boxing somebody out with your size and trying to find the end zone. Um, and not only that, but again, durability. Aliyah did go through stretches himself where he was injured, couldn't stay on the field, whereas Mark, and, um, Eric Moltz, he was just Mr. Reliable. He was there game in, game out. I remember him playing several weeks, even with a bum ankle, and um, just tough, grinded it out. And, you know, durability factor alone would have to go to him. Uh, plus his style of game, I think if you have 
Josh Allen thrown to him. He would get open for the deep ball because of his route running, but he also knew how to use his body and box somebody out to where it could help Josh Allen. Because, again, if you're thinking he's just going to throw the ball to the guy and rely on somebody to come down with it, Eric Mould's over Lee Evans to go up and get it, throw over Lee Evans every time, which would help your accuracy. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you on that last part. But it's not like, like, do you remember that? Does anyone remember that catch? Maybe not because I think the game actually went off television for a bit. There was like a blackout or something. But there's a game against the Chargers, I'm remembering, at home where I think Trent's the quarterback and he throws a fade pattern to Evans who's got a corner all over him. And Evans goes up and snags the ball with one hand, like almost Odell Beckham-esque, and balances it against his helmet and comes down with it. Like, it's not like he couldn't do that. And I actually think this might be like... Do I want to call it a narrative? I think it might be a narrative. At least when you're looking at the stats. Yeah, like, before I looked at it, I I didn't really hesitate to think that you were right, that Moulds was more durable. When you think of Eric Moulds, what's, like, the first thing you think of as a wide receiver? Maybe it's not toughness, but it's one of the first things you get to. Like, strong, tough wide receiver. And Evans is the speed guy, who, nowadays, that can be a very fragile player. But, to be honest... I mean, Molds played played almost every game. He missed two games in his fourth season. He missed three games a few years after that, and then one game a few years after that. So he missed, like, five games in his Bills career. But Evans didn't miss any games either. Evans played 16 games the first six years of his Bills career, and then his last year of his Bills career, he missed three. So I think you might be surprised to learn that in seven seasons... With the Bills, Evans missed three games, and they were all in his final season at age 30. And touchdowns, you know what's funny, Evans, I'm not, you said red zone, so I think I have to respect that. Um, I don't have the red zone numbers in front of me. I would probably think Moulds is going to be higher there. But touchdown rate, I'm looking at Eric Moulds. He played 186 games in the league. He had 49 touchdowns. Evans, 118 games, 43 touchdowns. Like five less in 70 less games. So the touchdown rate's a lot higher for Evans. But like I said, I don't have the red zone numbers in front of me. That one, all I want to present here is that if you're going to pick receiver for the Bills in this question, take a Bill from the past and put him on the current team in their prime. I don't think it's a slam dunk that it has to be Eric Moulds. I think it could be Lee Evans, and that's who I'm picking. Not just because of what I just mentioned there, but obviously what I mentioned before, which is his style and his just ability to take the top off of defense, which I'm hoping John Brown and Robert Foster can do this season. 803 is the phone number if you got any more thoughts on that. And uh, we'll continue to roll along here. 803 is the number. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on W. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Stealing my brother's topic, Lou DiBiase, who does the late nights here on WGR and at WBEN. His topic from last night was 
put on any former Sabre or former Bill on the current team in their prime, who would it be? And I think I thought the good fix to that question was take the Hall of Famers out of it because I thought that made it too easy. Hashik and Kelly, like there would have been no debate to me. Um, even though Howard this morning wanted to debate that, but fine. Like I get it. Perot and Lafontaine, you need the center, but I just can't believe that anyone would really want to pass on Hashik, the best player disposition ever. Um, the Bill side of it is a lot more interesting to me when you're not taking out the Hall of Famers. And I'm kind of settled on Lee Evans being the guy. Um, few people have mentioned OJ Simpson, but remember, I think I'm putting I'm putting them in today's game. And sure, that's about as good as I can do. Well, no, that's a Hall of Famer, so that doesn't count anyway. But at, even if it was, like I'm not putting the running back there. I can find the running backs if I try. I can find good, young, pass-catching running backs that work in today's game. The Bills don't really have, do that all that much because they like to sign Mike Tolbert and Chris Ivory, but I could do it. And I don't think I need to go into history to find that. Now, I'd like to go into history to find one of the better deep-threat wide receivers in the, in the franchise's history and a guy who I always thought was supremely underrated in Lee Evans. Or Eric Moulds, which I really like as an idea too. But I would definitely want to go wide receiver. Takeo Spikes is another one I would think about a lot. He was one of my favorite players. Just a oh, unbelievable, super athletic, all-around linebacker that was just a monster. Pair him next to Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. I don't know how much you're using linebackers, so that's probably why I wouldn't pick that one. It's utilization. you got to think of utilization along with the talent, and you got to think of the roles in today's game plus what you already have on the Bills and Sabres roster. Like, Bills, do I need to go defense again? Their defense should be the good part. I need to find something that's going to make me great on offense. wish there was, like, a tight end in Bills history that would, like, be a slam dunk here. Like, Remersma is probably the first name, but I, I don't think – I don't need to do that. I don't need a tight end that bad. I like the Jason Peters pick that a one, our one caller had last segment. Jason Peters, I think, is an interesting idea. Franchise left tackle. Anyways, 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll take a timeout from this uh, chatter, but if you do want to get in, of course, we'll take your calls at 803-0550. Let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Play back an interview from earlier today. A good one, and I thought. Um, talking about the Tennessee Titans. We're going through the schedule slowly but surely here, if you haven't noticed. Um, today we had Joe Goodberry on talking Bengals uh, on the afternoon show and the morning show. Jim Wyatt talking Titans. We're going team by team here, going through the Bills schedule. An easy schedule that it, uh, by most accounts. And the Titans, to me, are part of that. I'm not big fan of them. I think they're going to finish last in that division. I think they're fourth best team. I don't think Marcus Mariota is very good. I don't even think he's much better than Ryan Tannehill. For that and more, Jim Wyatt, who covers the Titans, on with Howard and Jeremy earlier today. We're going to go and uh, chat with Jim Wyatt, who covers the Titans for the Tennessean, and he is joining us right now on WTR. Jim, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me. hope you guys are doing well. Doing well. Thank you very much for asking. Um, I wanted to ask you first, Jim, about expectations, okay? So the Titans have been 9-7, and seven, three straight years, made the playoffs a couple years ago. What, what overall are the expectations of where the team is, is possibly headed in 2019? Well, I think they're a lot higher than in Nashville than they appear to be across the country. I look at some of the prognostications, and I see the Titans are picked fourth in the division, and 
uh, it's certainly it's an improved division. I mean, I used to do the AFC South. You know, it was the butt of a lot of jokes, and now I look at it, and I think it's one of the strongest divisions in the NFL. When I look at this team, I mean, you mentioned the teams won nine games three years in a row, uh, but wants to take it to another level. And I think fan base, and I think certainly the team and the coaching staff feels like this team is capable of doing it, but you guys know how the league works. I mean, it's all about people ask me what I think the team's going to do, and I, and I have a window where it could win – seven games to 10 or 11 games. I mean, you've you got to win close games. You can't have the inconsistency that this team had last season. And, uh, and you've got to stay healthy. And, and how teams handle those parts of the game will determine how things going to be, you know, when January starts. Yeah, I think, Jim, it's interesting. I was trying to – I was going to say, where do the Titans fit in the division? And you have the Colts, who were such a, a big success story last year. You have Houston, who's still a factor, if they can keep Deshaun Watson healthy. And then you have the Jags, who maybe they're not where they were defensively a couple of years ago, but they're still good. They bring in Nick Foles, so I'm going to feel they they feel they upgraded a lot of quarterback. It, it, it makes you wonder, where does Tennessee fit in that mix, in that division? Well, I think it can contend, uh, you know, but – you know, since I, and we talk about prognostication, I remember this time last year, I think everybody had Jacksonville as the Super Bowl yep. pick in the AFC after yep. coming off the game when they should have beat New England in the AFC Championship game, and then they finished as a last-place team. I, I think I think the Titans feel like they can compete at the top and win the division, but to do that, you know, you're going to have to figure out a way to beat Andrew Luck and the Colts, and that's something the Titans have never done. I mean, they, they've never won a game against Andrew Luck. They faced him in the second week of the season. And you also got to figure out a way to topple you know, the Texans, who have certainly had their hold on this division. Not that Jacksonville's a pushover. I, mean, I expect Jacksonville to be much improved. So uh, if you don't play well and you don't win some of these divisions in these close games, and it's gonna, you know, you're going to be sitting at the bottom looking up. But I think the Titans feel like uh, you know, they can be a contender at the top. Jim Marcus Mariotti, year five. What's the general consensus on him and how things have gone through the first four years? How are people, I know, you know, they go out and bring up, bring in Ryan Tannehill as the backup, but how do people feel about Mariota? Well, I think it's, it's, I think the majority of the people are in his corner and like him and still believe he can be this team's franchise quarterback. There's certainly a fraction of the fan base that, uh, it's, you know, getting louder that uh, feels like this could be the end for him. And they feel like he needs to step it up. And he's through, only threw 11 touchdown passes last year, and he hasn't been available in, uh, in too many games, especially including the season uh, finale last year, which was for a spot in the playoffs. So uh, I, I feel like personally I mean, he's in a position to be successful because he's got the best group of playmakers he's had since he's been here. I mean, Delaney Walker's going to be back. He missed the entire year last year after suffering an ankle injury in week one. Corey Davis should be even better in year three. They signed Adam Humphreys, one of the top slot receivers in free agency. They go out and get Adam Humphreys. Oh, no, sorry, Humphreys. They go out and get A.J. Brown in the second round of the draft, who certainly can make an impact. And they've got some other guys who I think are developing nicely. So uh, signed Roger Saffold in free agency to help upgrade the offensive line so he has some pieces around him uh that can make him successful but he's got to stay healthy and he's got to be smart i mean he's put some weight on this offseason probably about 10 pounds that he thinks will make him sturdier and more confident but uh 
still, you, he's got to protect himself, and they got to protect him a lot better than what's happened around here. You brought up the additions uh, at the wide receiver spot for sure. When you and it sounds like they got a pretty deep group now. When you look at what you think will be the strengths of the Titans, what do you think they will do best this season? What would you say those would be? I think, yeah, I, I think receiver could very well end up being a strength. I mean, I, want to, I would like to say offensive line, but there's just too many question marks going into camp about how that's going to shake out. I mean, the, the, the left side of the line is set. I mean, you got Ben Jones at center. You can have Saffold, as I mentioned. you got Taylor on the other side. But they, they've got competitions at right guard and right tackle. So a little bit of a question mark on the offensive line. Uh, I think receivers cut good. I think running back with Derrick Henry. Uh, coming back and coming off this strong finish here with Deion Lewis, I think that's a good group. On the, the I think the defense coming off a year when it finished third in the league and scoring has a potential to be really good. But if you've got a question mark on that side, while the secondary is the strength, uh, the pass rush is the question mark. And Cameron Wake was signed to help with that, but they've got a lot of young guys behind him. They're going to need to step up and play well, including Harold Landry from Boston College second-round pick last year. The On the defense, Jeffrey Simmons, what's his status right now health-wise? Is he, is he, I forget where we last left the, the torn ACL with him. Well, it's going to be a while. I mean, and I think you know, people are excited to get him at number 19 but, and, and, and wish he would, have been, would be healthy right now. But the reality is if he's healthy right now, he wouldn't have been around at number 19. He'd have been picked early. So he's going to have to be patient with him. He, he posted something on social media couple of weeks ago of him running, which is a first because he wasn't running in the middle of June. I should say probably jogging. Uh, but those ACLs take a long time. He suffered that injury in February. Uh, you know, it's not going to completely shock me if he doesn't play at all in 2019 because I think they're going to be really careful with him because they know this has always been about his future and not about trying to get him to play two or three games in 2019. If he recovers and, and puts himself in a position where they feel good about him, playing it in the season, yeah, it could happen, but they're not going to rush it. Jim, last thing for you, it actually is a Bills question. Quentin Spain, one of the many free agent signings up here in the offseason, he's in the competition to be a starter this season. What did you think of him when he was down there? Well, he's strong and a very uh, he's kind of a no-nonsense guy like Quentin. Uh, you know, he can be a little bit of a character to him. He's a, he's a guy that you know, you'll find that a lot of the offensive linemen will gravitate to. He was really tight this group here in Nashville, and uh, I think he'll do a good job. I mean, he's, a, he's a strong guy who's got some athleticism, too, and uh, I know he's going to be playing with something to prove. Jim Wyatt with a preview on the Tennessee Titans, one of the Bills' opponents this season. Jim, thanks for coming on with us this morning. Appreciate it, and uh, enjoy what's left of your summer break. Appreciate it. Have a good day in Buffalo. Thank you. There's Jim Wyatt. Yeah, I think the Titans stink. Look, who's going to be... I would take the Raiders being worse than them, the Dolphins being worse than them, and the Broncos being worse than them, and that's about it. To me, I'd put Tennessee right after that. But Jim Wyatt seems to think there's some sort of optimism for them to be good this year. The division's certainly open. I think the Colts are going to lock it down. Um, I think the Jags are going to be a lot better, switching from Bortles to Foles. And I think the Texans are just super good with Deshaun Watson. So The Titans are just kind of meh. My whole life, every all every, every all everybody's life, their whole existence, except for Steve McNair. Like when Steve McNair was there, like they were great. But ever since, they're just meh. Like whatever. Their jerseys look weird. They always used to look like they were one of those fake teams from a football movie that someone was playing against. 
Like they looked like they were from every, any given Sunday. And the blue, the powder blue and the white, like they had boring jerseys to me, and they always played boring. And just like I don't need, I don't need, I don't need the Titans in my life. And I don't need them being good either. They're just parentally, they're always seven and nine. Whatever. Eight zero three zero five fifty is the phone number if you want to chime in on a former Bill and a former Saber. We're going non Hall of Famers though, otherwise it'd be too easy that you would like to see on the current Bills or the current Sabers. My brother. Lou DiBiase does the overnights here, WGR and a WBEN, created this topic last night. He's going to join me in about 10, 15 minutes to uh, discuss what he heard from most people last night and what he thinks of it. Uh, if you want to get your thoughts in with him as well, you can, 803-0550. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. More next here on WGR. My colleague Dan Graffiano tweets about this, how replay is setting the league back, how it's not making it a more fun experience. And the more he says it, the more I think about it, the more I'm inclined to agree. I mean, just, you know, I think we all want to have a scenario where that play from the NFC Championship game gets overturned. We all want that. What we don't want is replay, you know, every time it's a big pass, that a coach is going to throw out a flag desperately trying to get a pass interference call. Bill Barnwell, ESPN. I'm a show up in the Bulldog yesterday. We'll do a real quick segment here and get to the top of the hour. My brother Lou DiBiase from WGR and uh, WBN Overnights is going to join me. Late night discussion. He's the the master crafter of the great question that we all talked about yesterday. Um, that was Bill Barnwell on replay, and I want to get into that a little bit later. Um, it's not really on the it. It's not really on topic. For what's going on in the NFL right now, like that would be the scheduling, but this this sport, I think, it's part of a point that I think this sport's going to look a lot different in five years. I'll expand on that in the next hour. Um, but you can catch Barnwell with super good conversation, which opened the wall yesterday at WGR550.com, as well as Sam Monson, who is always like, he, he, you listen to him and he's like, he talks the same amount of time as a lot of the guys we have on, but it's always so compact with him. There's so much information in there. I love listening to him. So if you missed that, find that on demand as well. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. John Brown is going to be, ideally when he's healthy, a downfield weapon for Josh Allen. That makes total sense as far as quarterback and receiver go. Cole Beasley uh, is going to be a guy who's going to get some easier yards for Josh Allen, some safer throws, going to be a safety valve, which is what he was for Dak Prescott in Dallas. And I think, you know, this offense might come down to whether Robert Foster looks like the guy we saw during the final few weeks of 2018, where he looked like a possible breakout receiver for the Bills. So I think it's going to be, there's upside in all those positions there. Bill Barnwell, ESPN. Part of that reasoning, Robert Foster being the X factor for the Bills offense, is part of the reason that for my brother's late night discussion question we've been talking about tonight, it's part of the reason that I chose Lee Evans as my answer for who I would take for the Bills on the non-Hall of Famer part of the question, because obviously that would be too easy Hashik and, uh, and Jim Kelly. My brother, Lou DiBiase, late nights here on WGR as well as WBN, joins me now, locked on Eagles as well. Right? Are you not disagreeing with that? Like, it seemed like everyone was going Kelly Hashik pretty easily with, without that second part of the question. Yeah, it was Hashik for the most part, a goalie. I mean, you would get, like, the occasional LaFontaine and right. um, Perot, but I had to switch it up because then with the Bills, too, it was either Kelly or Bruce Smith. So had And it was the same names by... over and over. Yeah, exactly. So I had to switch it up by, you know, not really involving the legends. And then I thought the fans really got more creative, and I really liked the responses. 
Okay, we're, we're going to take some of your calls, too, as we progress here, and uh, we're going to talk about aliens, too, because I can't have you on and not talk about <laughs> I wanted to talk about this Area 51 thing yesterday, but it's really only me here, so it's hard to do it, bounce off the ideas off myself. So we'll get to that. Um, before we do that, though, let's uh, if you want to... If you want to get your names in, your nominations into me and my brother Lou here, um, we're taking your request. 803-0550. Let's start with Tim. Tim, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, Joe. I'm going to drop in the most amazing skater and end through defenders like Gumby. He flew with the wrist shot that could beat everyone. The first Russian captain in the NHL, Alexander the Great Mogilny. All right, Lou, what do you think of Alex Mogilny as an idea here? Yeah, I think McGill needs to go on. I saw that a lot. I mean, he's a pure goal scorer, which is exactly what they need. I mean, the guy scored 76 goals in a season. I like McGill. I don't think it's a yeah, bad option on the wing. But he's a winger. Yeah, I know. I know. You don't like the winger options. But what if, you know, what was a cool one, actually? I saw a lot of people going with uh, pre-concussions Tim Connolly, like that 2006 playoff run. Mm. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, but, but I mean, I, mean I like the idea, but you can do so much better. Like, yeah, Briere is a 90-point player. Drury was a number one center. Um, again, if we're not doing, like, the LaFontaine Perot part of this, like, even Pekka, I think I might rather have. But that that wouldn't be close. Like, I, I don't hate the Connolly one. I always felt like I was defending him. Um, but, yeah, okay. Uh, is there a guy on the Bills that you like the most as an idea for this? I went back and forth. I mean, again, if you're going to keep the legends in there, I think Bruce Smith on the edge, sticking with the edge. So I, I'm going with Jason Peters. I think he's had a Hall of Fame career with the Bills and the Eagles. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer when he retires. Still a guy that's 37 playing at a high level. I, though, an underrated guy here I did not see get chosen a whole lot. If you give me back prime Mario Williams on the edge with this defense already Ooh. being a top unit, I think that would put them over the edge, instantly making them like a top five defense year in and year out. Mario Williams over Aaron Schobel? Yeah, I, I saw some Schobels. I would go with Mario Williams. I, I, Schobel, I'm see, take him yeah, on the edge. I, if we're talking prime, too, as well, like yeah. Schobel longevity-wise, like he was very good for a very long time. Mario was like dominant for a year or two there. I mean, um, you saw the contract they gave him. So, for me, I'm taking Williams. Okay. Let's go to Buzz in Buffalo. Buzz, what's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Um, I got a couple of nominations for, for Bills. and one for, I got to go with McGillney as well, just for the pure entertainment value. We, we complain about, a lot about the Sabres have been kind of boring recently, you know. And, um, I mean, that guy was lightning. Fastest skater I ever saw live. Without question, Bure close second, and after that, who cares? Faster than Max Finneganoff? Oh God, yeah. Mm. When he came, right. in, I don't know. No, I'm, no, I'm doing. I'm telling you, I've seen them both. He, he was, he was the fastest skater there was in the league, and and people will tell you that there was a big debate whether it was Bure or Mogilny, and everyone yeah. in the league knew it was either one of those two for a long time. I mean, yeah. maybe by the time you saw Mogilny, he might have been older, but when he first came into the league, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, but what about for the Bills, man? And he could finish, and he could finish, too. Okay. Right. Um, Daryl Talley. And I know we don't necessarily need a line. That, actually, Matt Milano reminds me a lot about Talley. That, lot was, that was my thought when people brought him up. It's like, yeah, I, like, the talent-wise, I get it, but like, when you're fitting in need to what this current roster has, like, how, how, much, is, how much are Tremaine Edmonds and Milano going to play if I plug in like, a, a, a star linebacker like that? No, that's true. That's true. And I, I didn't understand the question at first because I didn't tune in right away. But um, okay. I, I, now I understand you're talking about plugging in today. But right, yep. give a shout-out to Daryl Talley because 
that man was always in the right place at the right time. Made huge, The bigger the game, the bigger the plays he made. And he was the heart and soul of that defense. He was the leader of that defense. And um, mm-hmm. also I want to give a, a quick mention to uh, Ken Hall as well, the late Ken Hall. Yep. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for the call, Buzz. Um, Lou, Lou, I think I'd have to go. Uh, if I'm going linebacker, I'm thinking about Takeo Spikes. Yeah, Spike's a good one for me with linebacker, with how defenses now are going such like nickel and dime. is basically like base defense is becoming a sub-package now in the NFL where you're only really running. Like Edmonds and Milano, are gonna, they're going to use two linebacker sets the majority of the time. A lot of the time, especially if you have like a safety playing in the box too, you don't even really use two linebackers a lot. So for me, with how good this Bills defense already is, like I, I, I want to get an edge guy on, on top of like if Ed Oliver becomes this disruptive Aaron Donald-like force up the middle, you, adding an edge would put this defense to another level. One former Bill, one former Sabre that you'd like to see on the current day rosters, if you could put him there right in your prime, Joe DiBiase, Lou DiBiase, who it was his idea in the first place yesterday on late night discussion here on WGR um, on Twitter. Let's go to Dwayne Atanawanda. Dwayne, what's up, man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, if you allow me to make a few points, um, Hashik, hands down for me. Um, I mean, I'm not just biased because uh, I am a goalie, but he's like the whole reason I began to play the position to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, the, the, the caller before said Max is an entertainment factor. Well, I mean, watching Hashik, I mean, he, he, he changed the way the position was played. And I, I actually work for his foundation, you know, Hashik's Heroes. Okay. Yep. As a coach, and I would never in a million years teach a kid how to play his style of, <laughs> of, of style of play in a million years. Right. But there's one thing he had that no other goalie had and probably will never have, and that's the no-quit, never-give-up-on-a-single-play attitude. And, I mean, you only needed to score two goals with Dominic Hasek in that, and there's a good chance you were winning that game. And of all yep. teams that he played on, they don't even sniff the playoffs without him in that, and that's a fact. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You got a guy for the Bills, or just all in Hasek here? AC, honestly, it's probably Bruce Smith, just because just the, just the pure power he, he had on the line. Right. Um, just you know, nobody nobody can match up against him. But I mean, Kelly would definitely be a close second. But that's only because. We haven't had a franchise quarterback in 25. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't hate the Bruce one just because the Bills kind of need a elite pass rusher right now. Um, Lou, what do you think? Did you hear Howard Simon this morning on on Hashik? Yeah, I kind of liked the logic for me with how they, they him and Jeremy made a good point about like how good goaltending now is in the, in the NHL, where you can really get by with not investing significantly in the position. So. I do. That's an interesting thing going back and forth with. Has the league kind of closed the gap? Would Hashik be so much higher than everybody else in the league now? Where that might sway me, even with those guys available to go, like a Lafontaine, a Perot, like a Danny Briere that has that incredible playoff experience that the Sabres don't have right now. It might push me over the edge to kind of go forward. Or I, I like your idea of Brian Campbell. You'd, you'd have to think too. You could figure it out in, in net. Like if you're not yeah. taking the best goalie ever. Like I don't mind that logic. It's basically. In today's game, I don't want to invest that much in goaltender. To me, I'm only making the exception because he is the best goaltender of all time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you probably have to make an exception for Hashik, but there's just there's some really good options with the positions that they really, really need. Let's go to Jason. Jason, you're on the nightcap. How's it going, man? Hey, uh, so with the Sabres, it's kind of a toss with Miller being out between like a Breer or a Drury for that second line center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe like a Vanek, just because. In his day, like, you know, his best years right before that contract extension, um, he was just killing it, scoring goals, and he was fun to watch and just exciting. Um, 
You got a Bills guy? For the Bills. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You got a Bills guy? Yeah, for the Bills, it's really – I mean, you can really pick any of the guys. Like, I grew up watching Lee Evans and yeah. them. Um, or you could do, like, a Pierce Price or Steve Johnson. Maybe it's the number one wide receiver, really. See – See, Lou, Lou, thanks for the call, Jason. My, my reasoning, I know you saw that I voted for Lee Evans. The reason I went him over Moulds, I acknowledge Moulds was a better receiver, but I don't think the difference was big enough to where I'm taking Moulds' style, which was, like, he would get open, don't get me wrong, but big, physical, like, the catch radius, like, monster athlete guy. Whereas Evans, if I'm trying to fit this to what the Bills have right now, and I'm looking at Allen, and I'm looking at the receivers they're trying to surround him with in the first place, which is just speed, 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 which is the way you should do it. Here's Evans, who's more accomplished than any of the receivers you have on your team, and he's that style. Like, think the highlights of him with J.P. Lossman, and if Allen is any sort of good, he's going to be a souped-up version of J.P. Lossman. Well, that, that was the thing with receiver was, you know, they've gone with, they don't really have a bona fide wide receiver one, but they have a lot of guys that complement Allen's strengths. And that's why when people finally mentioned Lee Evans, first you had to get through the layer of where they went with molds. Stevie Johnson's a very popular one on Bill's Twitter for sure, that he's an all-around great route See, runner. I don't, yeah, but I, don't think he, I don't think he fits at all with what Allen does at all. No for, no, for sure. That's why when people started bringing up Lee Evans, I instantly started thinking of those 60, 70-yard bombs where Lossman's ripping them into double and triple coverage and Evans is still coming down with it, and Allen has that exact arm strength that it's like, that's a, that's a, that's a great combination. So I, I do like the Lee Evans choice. I just think with, with the receivers they already have that I think fit Allen's strengths, I would probably mm. more so lean towards the trenches, like going with a tackle like Peters or an edge rusher like a, a Mario Williams. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Let's go. I didn't, I didn't think of that. Like, you already have them, so why do I need right. another one? Yeah, it, yeah really that's right. Kind of, I'm really building this around need. That's why I switched up the question. Because at first, obviously, yeah, you don't need a Jim Kelly, I guess you could say. You don't need a Thurman Thomas with how many running backs you invested in. So I wanted to switch up and be like, all right, take those Hall of Fame caliber guys off the table. Now I'm going to force you to do it based on – I mean, these guys are still really good within the organization throughout their careers, but now go with it based on the construction of the roster already in 2019. Now kind of add these guys to complement what you already have. Let's take one more call before we talk about Area 51. Let's go to Al. Al, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Al, you there? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Listen, if I take the uh, the legends out of the equation, um, James Lofton in his prime would, would suit Allen. Mm-hmm. Well. That's a good one. Um, you know, I mean, guy could de- get down the field, catch the long ball. Um, and it, I think, real quick, Lou, should we allow this? He was a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't really a Hall of Famer necessarily just because of what he did with the Bills. Allowed, James Lofton, I think? Uh, he's not I mean, a, Bill, he's not a yeah. Bills legend, even though he's a Hall of Famer. So he, I think he might fit your Hall of Fame rule here. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. All right, Lofton's allowed. Continue. Go ahead, Al. All right, but if not, how about Bryce Pop coming off for, for his one yep. year for the Bills? Yep. Um, do you- I have one year. Yeah, okay, no, you're right. Like On talent, yes, okay. Yeah. So... We go there, and as far as the Sabers, um, Danny Gare, I mean, would would add a little grit to this lineup and still be able to score. Um, I I I take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, thanks for the call, Al. Um, again, that's kind of the. Well, I just I would want to go with pure skill and speed, yeah, and if I'm going that route, like Gare, I'm gonna I'm hard for me to do better than that. But I think I. Would rather have McGillney if I'm going to go that route. It's it's very hard for me to go with, and I guess I'm showing my age here, but it's very hard for me to go with the guys that played in like the 70s because it's, you know, why do you don't expect them to be like superstars right now. Yeah, do you think they're going to translate? I mean, is Danny good as Gare as he, and especially in like other leagues like football well, for sure. You might have to morph the question then, or you have to morph the rules because it's kind of unfair to just. 
Well, it's not unfair. I mean, I guess it's realistic. But like, if they, if am I giving them years okay, and years sure. of development in the modern day, or am I literally just taking them from their era and dropping them today? Like, I think that's if that's what I'm doing, then I completely agree with you. No, that's a good point. If we translate their success over, like if they're as good as they were then okay, into now, right. then then sure. Then at that point, we would definitely have Perot at the top, okay. Adair, like those kind of guys. I like it. All right, so my, my yeah. final answer, I, I, was, I was kind of pulled in both directions, but I'm sticking with Brian Campbell and Lee Evans. What's your final answer on this? I, I like Not, those Non-legends, two. not legends. Non-legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like those two. I'm going to go with Briere, and I'm going to put Jason Peters at left tackle for okay. Josh Allen. All right, I like it. What is going to happen at Area 51? Like, is this actually going to be a thing, or are people going to chicken out? <laughs> kind of crazy i'm really into like this alien kind of stuff and uh i'm very nervous that there's going to be a lot of i mean there, there are too many people there for everybody to show up but i 1.5 million fanat- like alien fanatics where i think there's going to be i don't know if it's going to get into the hundreds but there's going to be people that actually show up to this thing. Hundreds. It's, kind of a, well, yeah, hundred, I, it's going to be no it's going to be way more than that 1.5 million people <laughs> signed up for this if if one percent not not even one percent a tenth of a percent of people show up to this thing, and we're talking about thousands of people that are showing up to do this. The logic is so absurd, too, that they can't get everybody. I don't think people understand how on lockdown they have Area 51. <laughs> do you understand how lockdown? You've, you've researched this, I can tell. It's, it's, a, it's a thing where, I mean, they've shot people down. Trust me, it, it's, they are, they're protecting a lot of stuff. There. And I don't, I don't know if there's aliens there. I'm a believer that aliens exist, but... For me, with Area 51, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's even going to be worth it. I do think people are going to show up, though. Even if they don't like invade it, they're going to hang out around the vicinity where they can actually be in that area before they like get told or shot down. Then I, I think there's going to be people that even like just the, the YouTubers and those kind of people. They're going to be there. I don't know what to the extent, but yeah, like you said, there are so many people signed up that there's going to be people showing up. All right, Lou, thanks for jumping on, man. I'll talk to you soon, bro. Yeah, thanks, Joe. All right, there's my brother Lou DiBiase. He'll be in later for the night shift, WGR and uh, WBN. Maybe keep an eye out for some more late-night discussion on our Twitter at WGR550. If you want to follow him, you can do that on Twitter at DiBiase, L-O-E. We'll take a timeout now. Last call in the nightcap is after this, 8030550. If you've got any final thoughts on one bill you'd like to drop in on today's lineup from the past or one saber as well. It's Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Last call on the nightcap, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Buzz and Buffalo called back. He had to get a name in that had not been mentioned. I can't believe he had been mentioned because he doesn't fit the qualifier right now as a Hall of Famer or like a Bills let. He, he's a legend, but he's not like a Hall of Fame legend that would be taken away from this discussion we're having, which if you're still confused by it, we're just doing. We're taking the legends away because it made it too easy. Take one Bill from history take one saber from history in their primes put them on the roster right now who are you taking nobody mentioned cornelius bennett i mean that one's got to be the answer i mean i love lee evans and i i think i think bennett's gonna be my answer at the end of the day here because he's not disqualified for being like too good to make it too easy but he's also he's is he not a bills legend he's a bills legend gotta be one of the best pass rushers in team history so, on this team right now, and we'll see, like, to, to take this into the in real life for a second, if they're going to get anything out of Shaq Lawson or Trent Murphy. Because one interesting thing that 
Sam Monson mentioned today about another team that I or was it maybe Joe Goodberry talking about the the Bengals. That's right. It was about the Bengals. And I'm going to take his concept and put it to the Bills. The triangle pass rush where think about if you're the quarterback and you're dropping back to pass and I've got a great pass rusher on my right and I got a great pass rusher up the middle but hey, I'm not really scared of that guy on the left. Where are you rolling? You're left. And the Bills kind of had that last season. And maybe that's why their sack total was so small. Jerry Hughes would come around the right. He might even be double teamed. And he'd get around the edge. He'd push the quarterback away from the right. Kyle Williams coming up the middle. Penetrating up the gut. Well, if I had a guy on the left that was supplying consistent pressure, that quarterback now has to step step up into my defensive tackle and he's going to get sacked. But that didn't happen a lot last year because even though Kyle Williams is coming up the middle with consistent pressure and Jerry Hughes is coming off one side with consistent pressure, the other side isn't doing much. So that quarterback has an out every time to go to that direction. And in this make-believe world, Cornelius Bennett would certainly fit that uh, fit that need. And I'm not so optimistic that this season Shaq Lawson and, uh, and Trent Murphy are going to do that. I'm not big fans of them as pass rushers I think they're both pretty good in run defense but not as pass rushers so the next Cornelius Bennett would be a perfect addition for the Bills if they could get almost anybody right now that's like the last big thing I think they need on defense thanks everybody for chiming in tonight thanks everybody for calling and uh, texting and tweeting as well Antoine Winfield one texter uh, I want to mention that one that was a good one that no one mentioned either Um, you know we're still looking for a number two corner Antoine Winfield was awesome like small cover corner like Trey White, except he could drill you coming out of the backfield. That's it for me tonight. I'll be back with you tomorrow, 7 to 9, to get you into the weekend on a Friday. And until then, I will uh, put you with ESPN Radio. And then tomorrow morning, obviously, Howard and Jeremy will be back on at 6 o'clock. See you tomorrow. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.